Again, here's again the Emerging Entrepreneur, Emerging Markets Entrepreneur podcast um, with my co-host Sid Wahi, Director of Forbes Africa, and today a guest, Clive Batko, the Chief Executive Officer of Carlon Venture Partners. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much, and uh, thanks for the opportunity. Perfect. Sid, what is the topic today? So today we are going to talk about pivoting. Uh, which is quite an important topic given uh, how, um, you know, I guess not just the coronavirus, but all sorts of uh, headwinds have been forcing businesses to adapt. Um, so with that, let me ask uh, today's first uh, question. Um, Clive, given that businesses have not been able to trade because of the lockdown, a lot of them have just essentially been operating with zero revenue. Do you think that um, this has forced businesses to adapt their business models and pivot to something else? Um, what, are, what are your sort of thoughts on that? Well, I think it's, you know, it doesn't leave one much choice. If you don't have an option and you don't have cash flow. So we're, I'm, a venture, I'm a CEO of a venture capital company. All my companies in my portfolio, we've got eight of them now. We, the first thing we looked at was we look at, uh, you know, we, we look at each of the, each of the companies in, uh, in the portfolio. And uh, we looked at which ones we, that, that need to have a minimum of 24 months of, of cash flow in the back. So we assume if you can't pivot or if there's absolutely no revenue coming in with the cuts you might have to make, and normally the first cut has to be the deepest. So you cut, your, you cut whatever you need to cut. You hopefully try and not cut because that's not what we want to do, but we have to survive. And not only survive, we have to come out the back end of this thing uh, a much stronger company and, and thrive. So we say we need 24 months, a minimum of 24 months of cash flow to keep ourselves going and then hopefully the market will be back to normal our customers will be buying again and that's how we look at uh, our company so we basically triage all our companies we say which ones we want to invest further in which one we want to get bridge financing which ones we want to put more capital into but in all honesty if the businesses don't pivot or don't have a pivot typically if they're not venture capital back they're going to be out of business you know if i look at the stats across south africa uh, and i look and, and i've read some of the stats again not to show how accurate they are but a significant percentage of businesses are going out on a, going out of business on a monthly basis. So they are not able to pivot. They haven't got the skills to pivot. They haven't got the entrepreneurial flair and vision and innovation to pivot. And they've basically gone out of business. All right. That's very interesting. So you're basically saying you, you've done triage on, 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 on your company, uh, on your portfolio companies. But what was the sort of, I know this is not with regards to pivoting, but what did pivot what role did pivoting play in that and, and, and what others, other factors played a role in investing and what was sort of the valuation discount that you, um, that you requested on average? Because, I mean, the risk is higher right now, isn't it? Look, let me start with the valuation first. I mean, there's no doubt that a business that was demanding a 10x on revenue before COVID may be getting a 5x to 6x to 7x to 8x on revenue. There's no question that entrepreneurs need to be a little bit more in, um, understanding that venture capitalists or institutional investors are not going to give you the, 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 the models that were happening pre-COVID. Now, that's whether you're in Africa, you're in America, you're in Southeast Asia, Asia, it doesn't make a difference. Your business is not worth that much. Now, unless you're in a very counter-cyclical um, business, say something like Zoom, as an example, your business is worth, worth a lot more. But those are the exceptions rather than the rule. So... I think just a, a, um, 
you know, you know, some wisdom or some some words of advice to any entrepreneur. Don't chase the valuations. It's not the time. Rather chase the cash flow. Get the cash in the bank, even if you don't need it right now. At least we don't know how long this COVID thing's going to last until there's a, a vaccine out there. Have cash in the bank. Cut your costs. Run lean and mean as, as you can and let your business survive and then hopefully thrive at the back end of it. But in terms of pivot, you know, the first thing we're doing with all our businesses is saying, you know, how can we pivot? Firstly, some of our businesses in our portfolio, fortunately, have just grown three, four hundred percent per month. Others are growing double digit month on month. So the, the lockdown, because they're e-commerce enabled, they're marketing, digital marketing type of businesses, they've just gone completely uh, ballistic during, during the lockdown. There's one business, unfortunately, that's in a, in a it just, it's a great business, but it's in a bad neighborhood. And the neighborhood is not spending money. So from doing a, a million rand a year, just about profitable to uh, literally going down to 100,000 rand, uh, sorry, a million rand a month, literally going down to 100,000 rand a month. And this is just the fact of matter. And those businesses are the ones we have to look at and say, how can we pivot this business? Let's look at our clients. How can we solve clients' problems? Where are the new problems that are being created? What we have to understand, if you look at a typical enterprise, I'm not talking about BDC now, I'm talking about business to business. You know, they were looking at, uh, before, before COVID, there's a lot of innovation was being spent on innovation, revenue enhancement, et cetera. If you look what's happening now in businesses today in corporates, they're, they're really looking at, at cost cutting. They're looking at, at, at reduction of the optics. They're not looking at innovating right now. That, that, that's, that's completely off the agenda. So if you're a, a business and you can cut costs or you can reduce the optics, of an enterprise client, you're going to be in business. And often, you know, we, one, the one business we've got, we pivoted completely from what we had to what we had from a B2C to a B2B type of business, mm. where we can help cut cost and we can help enhance revenue. And that business is now starting to get some, some, some very different traction. It's a fundamental different business model. But as I explained to my investing companies, innovation is not always about product innovation or technology innovation. It's often only about business model innovation. And business model innovation often wins the game. Just innovate in your business model opposed to your technology. And, and we too, too many entrepreneurs are stuck on technology innovation opposed to uh, business model innovation, where, which, which is what we've done. Mm. So you basically say you need to look at what your capabilities are and your core competences, and you need to look what the market needs basically and what type of customer context you have, and you need to basically rearrange the, the field in, in, in that sense. You know, you know, it's exactly right though. You know, it's, it's always been never, it's never been build it and they will come. So you start with yourself, you look at your skills, you build the technology and then you look for the customers. That's never been like that. Now, too many businesses do do that. And, you know, it only happens in the movies. Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner. The, you know, you build it and they will come. So this is no different now. You know, you have to look at the problems. The problems are different in your clients. As I say, from gen maybe driving revenue growth to, 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 to cutting of OPEX. Look at the problems that they're going through. Look at the technology you've got and see how you can solve those problems. So often really just with a minimum amount of different technology or a little bit of a technology ref a refresh, et cetera, you can suddenly start solving some significant problems in clients. And suddenly your business from being a dead business can be an extremely healthy uh, business. But just looking at the clients and working back and say, how can my technology help solve the problems, the new problems that the clients have got? And maybe your industry, maybe you're dealing with hospitality, and you were dealing with, you know, um, uh, hotel industry and the restaurants, that industry is dead. So leave it alone. You know, the advice I give all my companies, I say, let's look at three scenarios of each business. There's scenario one, which is a business that is completely counter-cyclical to COVID. It is growing 
within COVID. Mm. Scenario two is a business that is just getting along. It's not mm. growing. It's not dying. It's just keeping static. And scenario C is the businesses that are basically, they don't cope, um, pivot their debt. They're going to be dead. And then we look, at, we look at our sales opportunities. I said, let's look at our sales opportunities. Take our pipeline and let's look at the pipeline and, and look at the greens, the yellows, and the reds. The greens are, are opportunities that are, are playing in the scenario A, where the, where the companies are really thriving. Got, they're going to be looking for new tools, new technologies, not just cost cut, take out. They can look for revenue generation. The yellow ones are looking for just to stay alive so you can cut out three tools and put in one tool and, and help them cut cost out and help them cut OPEX out. Again, you, you, you're solving a big problem. In scenario C, unfortunately, I say if we're looking into dealing in the hospitality, or in the, just stop. Put them in the vault, leave them alone. We're not going to make sales like that at the moment. So we're very, very meticulous in method, method, using a methodology and playbooks. I've been through many downturns in my career, and I've learned this through my downturns in my career. You know, let's be smart about it. Sales, people are still buying. They're just buying different things. They want to buy but they want to buy solutions that solve their problems. But their problems have changed, so we have to pivot to solve their problems. Once the markets come back, once hopefully post-COVID, we either maybe we pivot to that new business and that's the business model we stay with, or we go back to what we had before, or we have a multiple disciplinary uh, tool set that we can sell to our clients. But you know, the adaptability and innovation resourcefulness of entrepreneurs is the key for me. Where you're a small business, a big business, you've got 100 people, you've got five, You've got to be resourceful. You've got to keep on looking for opportunities and not say, I'm a victim. I'm a, I'm a victim of COVID. I'm dead because COVID hit me. I've got no business. I've got no time for entrepreneurs like that. I want to say COVID is an issue, but we're innovating. We're looking at what problems we can solve. We know we can use this tech. We can modify this tech. We can modify the solution. And we can suddenly solve a new problems for new clients. And, and that's what we're doing. And, and I'll tell you, it's amazing the, the results that we see. Mm. Let me um, ask, um, do you have an example of a specific company where a pivot has worked? I know you mentioned uh, a digital uh, electronic marketing company, but do you have any, any other examples that you could share with us? I mean, just give an example of one marketing company. Um, it's, it's not a major, it's a pivot, but we, was, we were really solving. It's a smart SMS company. and We were solving for um, very customized, very, very smart um, um, interaction with, with, with customers. But there was a big problem with clients that they didn't have a way of actually communicating the COVID virus and some of the problems they had with the clients. So we pivoted to rather than being a debt collection and, 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 and increasing sales and marketing, we, we, we helped around communication. I mean, we, we took the business from 2 million a month to 9.7 in one month. 9.7 million in one month. So that's just an example of a small pivot as an example. We have another company that's in the, the fast-moving consumer goods space, and, and it's been hit very, very hard. You know, with the spas being closed and most retail stores being closed, there's just stock just piling up and piling up and piling up. And we've moved from a B2C model, which there's, no, there's not enough money in the B2C model, to a B2B model where we could help these businesses offload large amounts of their, their excess stock using, uh, you know, using digitization and digital commerce. So these are just a couple of ideas of, you know, we, we, we sat for a couple of hours, we brainstormed with the teams, and we've come up with, we've hardly come up with a, you know, a dead end saying, there's nothing we can pivot to. Mm. And so I just think you have to look out the box. You just have to, and, and I've seen some incredible pivots that are happening in all, all over the world with businesses that typically had no business. A lot of, you know, a lot of events management industry businesses, they were doing these big events, these big shows, thousands of people. Now they're doing it online. 
another thing that events online. So it's not yes, no one wants to be. You can't be in a in a in a in an arena with a thousand people, but you can do a big like we're doing now. You can do a Zoom call with a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand people, and you can still pivot your business to take tickets and do be ticketing and provide other value added services. So really, it's today is it's more about the entrepreneur and the innovation and the support and mentorship that they're getting to help them come up with a a, a you know, a, a solution that actually that's lasting to create a, a lasting business. Um, Clive, let's talk, you know, you mentioned um, the entrepreneur earlier and the mindset and the kind of vision that they need to have. What are some of the other characteristics that an entrepreneur or a founder of a business needs to have in order to consider a pivot and navigate uh, the times that we're in right now? Well, you know, I, I call it the five C's of, 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 of entrepreneurs and, you know, I don't think it's any different today before the pivot after the pivot to before the pivot and 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 those five starters number one i mean it's it's you need to have unbelievable communication skills you know when you communicate you communicate communication is selling so you need to be able to sell you need to be able to sell to your staff you need to be able to sell the 25 percent cost reduction that they're going to go through if you are hiring new staff you need to be able to sell to new staff to come in you need to sell to investors you need to sell to clients so communication is critical you always and rather over-communicate than under-communicate. You know, as CEO of Accenture, when I was, I always believed that you have to tell people, be very honest, candid, and rather tell them more than tell them less. Because if there's less, then there's too much talk at the, at the water cooler about how things are going wrong, particularly in, in, in lower times. So there's going to be a cut in heads, and you have to be honest with people that you're at risk. Maybe you're furloughing those people, whatever you're doing, and you need to be very, very open and honest with, with those people. So that's communication. And we absolutely need that during during COVID times, even more so probably now. For one, you need better selling skills, and two, you need to have those communication skills with your, with all your stakeholders. The next one is 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 is, is courage. You know, you need, and mainly now, you need to have a lot of courage in terms of, you're going to go and tell people that they're going to potentially be furloughed or they're going to be retrenched or, or whatever whatever it might be. You have to have the courage to go and speak to your clients and say, look, yeah, I'm really in trouble. Can you help me this month? I can't pay for the next three months. I'm looking for a a payment holiday for, for these three months. So that takes a lot of courage for an entrepreneur to do that. And he, as so even more so now than, um, than initially. The next one is, is, is you have to be, and probably the most important one, you have to be coachable. Because this is the time that you need to surround yourself with smarter people than yourselves. You need to surround yourself with a mentor. That's what we do as a venture capitalist. We, we call ourselves smart capital. So I sit on the boards of all our investing companies, and, and I only invest in entrepreneurs that are coachable. They want to listen. They want to learn. They don't just say, Clive said, let me do. That's not what I'm asking for. I'm saying, Clive said, let's debate it. Let's, let's look at it. Let's bounce it off each other. And if we come up with an answer of A, then let's do A. Not say A and then we do B. So coachability is critical. And now with these times, you need to go to the, the, the little bit of gray hair and say, you guys have been through downturns in 2008 and 2000 and in the 90s. What did you do? And listen to them and learn from them. And, and because we've been there before. This is not the first downturn either. Probably the worst one I've ever seen, this pandemic, but it's not the first downturn. And a lot of the things I spoke about earlier about the green, you know, um, looking at, at, at characterizing your sales pipeline, that's exactly what we did in 2008. It's, it's no different to then to, 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 to what it is now. And then, I mean, we, there's, a, there's a few more things. And I think the next C is, is, is in terms of curiosity. And this one's critical because curiosity is where you, you know, you, you know, I don't think, okay, I've got a solution, let me go look for this problem. There is no problem right now. I can have the best event management solution in the world, but there is no events. So it doesn't help. 
And the curiosity is saying, where are those problems? Let's go and find those problems. Let's see what solutions we've got, what problems our solutions will fit, and then go and modify the, the, the solution to solve, to solve a problem. And that curiosity is critical that, that these entrepreneurs, founders, C-suite are curious about how they can actually go and pivot their businesses. So I want to go back into that courage aspect that you've just mentioned and, and, and your kind of risk appetite. So imagine now or assume that uh, the entrepreneur that you're coaching has 24 months of liquidity and you're assuming the revenue is going to be for the next 24 months, 80 to 90% down, sort of worst case scenario, but the company has enough cash to sustain it. Would you now do a bold move to pivot, invest that money into a pivot that might not work? Or would you recommend that, that uh, uh, entrepreneur not to do it? Or what's your thought process behind it? Yeah, look, I think if, if, if they have got 24 months, I'd rather than change course because, you know, it doesn't make it a bad business what they're doing. It's just unfortunately a bad time. So I'd rather the, the, the business look at hanging, seeing how long they can hang on for. Mm. You know, this is a good time to build technical debt. You know, if you've got technical stuff that you haven't built, use this time to build technical debt. Use this time to, to fill the top of your pipeline. You know, getting meetings in the, in the pre-COVID days was hard. You know, people were busy and it was hard getting meetings. Took a month or two to get into corporate. Right now, through Zoom and through, you know, whatever um, video conferencing using, it's taking a, a day or two you're getting at the same meeting. Mm. So build your pipeline. The, the class might not be closing, but build your pipeline. Just get the top of your pipeline growing and growing and growing. And there's a time we'll get the virus. There's a, I mean, the, the, the vaccine. There's a time we're going to get better out of this thing. Have a, have a very strong pipeline. So there's so many things you can do to prepare yourself rather than pivoting if you, unless you have to. If you're running out of cash, you've got three months of cash, six months of cash, you know this thing's going to last longer than six months. We've got to start pivoting. Because else that's, unless we can get bridge financing or more financing, it's unlikely. And you mentioned a good point uh, earlier around valuations. The valuations are going to be significantly, significantly, significantly lower if you try and raise now when you, when you, you painted yourself in a corner. So once you're in a corner, the, the, the unfortunate institutional investor is going to take advantage of you. The terms are going to be much better. The valuations are going to be much lower. And we're already seeing that around the globe. Valuations significantly lower than they were two, three months ago. We've, we've closed two deals. We're closing one deal post-COVID. But those were deals that were already in the pipeline. There was no way we were going to go and renegotiate those terms. It's, just, it's not the way we operate. But I'll be honest with you, new companies I'm seeing now, when the great companies that were raising at four, 500 million, we're raising now, I'm saying I'll pay you maybe 200 million, you know, half of what you were raising it before. Because I'm taking a much bigger risk in putting into, into an environment where I actually don't know what the future holds. And in all honesty, you don't know what the future holds. So yeah. it is all about risk and reward um, at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, we've been talking about that 24 months. So you are expecting 24 months or is 24 months the worst case scenario? Give, give the entrepreneurs some hope here. <laughs> you know, I'll be honest with you. I think to, to, if, you want to be, if you're a venture capital backed business, Mm. You know, I always say plan for the best, but expect the worst. So we plan for the best and we plan that we get, we're going to hit revenues and things are going to turn around nicely. And that's, what, that's our plan. That's our forecast. But at the same time, we've got a 24-month plan that says if we haven't hit that revenue by that date, unfortunately, we have to furlough those, that number of people or cut costs or move offices or do whatever we have to do. But we have a line by line. I go through line by line on the income statement with the entrepreneurs and looking at what we can do about every single cost on the, on the balance sheet. And typically in the tech business, the salaries is your biggest cost. 
So if we have to just slow down for a while and, and, and furlough some people for three, four months, that's what we have to do. Because more important to me is we have to know we can last 24 months. I'm not saying from day one, just cut and go mad and let's just, you know, um, start panicking. No panic. Don't panic. Don't panic at all. But have a plan that says if, if things aren't turning around fast enough that you know, Clive's the first person that goes, you know, Sid's the second person that goes, and Alice's the third person that goes. That we have a plan that we know what we're going to do. But we always want to be humane. We want to help them find alternative uh, employment. If we can just furlough them for a few months, that's obviously first price. But we need a plan. And that's all I ask my entrepreneurs. Show me a plan when we have to start cutting and what's going to be cut that we can hit 24 months in the event that, as you say, we lose 90 to 100% of our revenue. So um, let me give you some stats from Printulu, my, my company, what, what we've done from uh, uh, March to April. And I would just like to hear, uh, is this a pivot case or not a pivot case? Just exemplarily. So revenue dropped by 100%. Manufacturing was closed. We could not trade. We were down. We couldn't trade. Nothing. Zero. Um, uh, cost of goods sold, zero. I mean, it dropped by 100%. Advertising, we decreased by 92%. Overheads, we decreased by 42%. R&D, we decreased by 100% right now. Uh, staff, we decreased by 35%. Rent and utilities, we decreased by 100%. The, 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 the question I have now is now you're in that phase where you, uh, you can sort of sustain even on an 80% downturn, you're just going to be cash flow break even sort of thing. Now, do you take the risk and pivot or are you not taking the risk and not pivoting? You see, I think in your situation, if I understand what you said there, you can break even where you are at the moment. So, you know, break even is the, is the new profit in all honesty. So if you break even, I'm happy if you break even as one of my companies through this COVID virus. So if you're breaking even, I think you're in good space. You that that scenario B type of company that that will survive. You won't thrive right now, but you'll thrive once uh, things will get better. Mm. But I don't think you have to pivot. I mean, if you can, like if you're manufacturing socks and you can start manufacturing masks, absolutely start doing that. If you're manufacturing some medical equipment and you start manufacturing ventilators, absolutely. I mean that is solving a huge problem with a huge demand. So those are the type of thing with people with manufacturing facilities, I would say, can I manufacture something that's in short supply globally? And those things are in short supply, uh, short supply globally. Just give you an example of that. Uh, my wife is on, the, on, the, on the, the, the school board of education, and they were just looking for the video cam so they can, they can hold remote uh, classes. And there's nothing. You can't find those things for love or money. You cannot find those cameras. So someone who's got that type of manufacturing facility could pivot and start producing those cameras. So it, this, it creates opportunity. So it all depends if you have a scarcity mindset or you have an abundant mindset. I'm a very abundant person. So I'm always seeing the good and the bad. I'll see the opportunity in the difficulty. I'll see the, the, the difficulty in the opportunity. You know, I, I will never see the difficulty in the opportunity. I'll see the opportunity even in the difficulty. So I think we all need to as entrepreneurs be abundant. Say there's enough. Okay, we're in this situation. We can't change it. Doesn't help complaining about it. Let's not be a victim. What can we do about it? And seeing what we can do and speaking to people. And that's where the courage and the, and the curiosity comes in. And I'll tell you something. I know from the businesses, that the ones I've spoken to, where the entrepreneurs have got the right skills, they've pivoted and they've come through it. In your case, I don't think you have to pivot because I think the fact that, you, that you're breaking even, I think you're actually in good space. Mm. 
Mm. Alex, let me ask you. Uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, you know, you started talking about your your stats and your cost cutting. If you had to pivot to something, what would you pivot to? Have you given that any thought? Yeah. Look. Uh, so what we've done is we sort of have done like a a, a little deal with our um, uh, developers right now in order to just generate some liquidity, and they were working now completely on a different sort of set of product. Um, um, which is more online based and, and helps more as a um, um, for the same target market, but a, a little bit of a separate product, but we can leverage a lot of the product we have right now. Um, and that's sort of um, what we are trying to do is use the same customer base. We've got 15,000 clients. We don't, we don't need to acquire new clients right now. We need to sort of use them, the, the clients that we currently have and, and, and try to sort of, uh, use that base and, 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 and sell other products that we can build with the capabilities that we have and that are in strong demand at the moment. Uh, Alex, yeah, that's a great answer. But let me add to what you're saying there. You had 15,000 clients. So, <clears throat> I mean, if you can do exactly what you did, you went online, that's a perfect type of pivot that you should be doing. You've got the 15,000 client base. Now, my advice to all my, customer, my companies, don't worry about new clients right now. There's, unless you're in the scenario A, your scenario B, scenario C, don't worry about new clients. Let's forget about them. Let's worry about who we've got. Let's look after them and make them raving fan clients. Let's just be so good at customer support <clears throat> and, and hire, if we have to, even hire customer support people to go and look after those clients. And once things come back to normal, the first company they're going to look for, out for is your company and they're going to look after you. So customer support is something that I think most companies that I've built are bought in people too late to do customer support and our churn rates have become higher and higher. What you have to protect in your business with 15,000 clients is you don't have hard churn once things turn around. And the way you do that is you need to look after those clients. Make them feel special. Go and mow their lawn if you have to. Go and wash their car. I'm, I'm joking, but whatever you need to do, just go and do it. So they, they remember you that through tough times, Alex was there. They helped us with a problem. They didn't even charge us. That's what we all have to be doing through this time. Seeing how we can, you know, over exceed the expectations of our customers right now. Do whatever we can, because I'll tell you something, they will stay loyal to your, to, to your company. I, I 100% agree. I, uh, I don't think it's the right time to now go big on, uh, on marketing spend. I think it's, it's the absolute right time right now to service your clients and, and get the, even the virality or get, get recommendations. Try to let them post something that you did for them in the past. Uh, wow yep. them. With, with earlier delivery times, uh, even though that's really challenging right now with 30% capacity, but hopefully on, 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 uh, on Monday, that's going to be better. But yeah, like I 100% agree. Yeah, I like what you're saying. I mean, you've got to do what you've got to do. If you've only got 30% capacity, work 24 hours a day because that's what, if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. You, you're facing a lot of different uh, worlds there in, in a factory or manufacturing environment. Um, just to give a couple of ideas is, I mean, Staff getting to the factory is not that easy during lockdown. Getting back from the factory, you can't let them work for three hours because then they don't have enough money to actually pay the taxis. So, um, uh, and, you know, then certain machines you can't really run because it's not economical to just switch them on for one order. So there are a lot of complexities in a, in a manufacturing environment and, and it's about juggling all and still um, having a good customer experience. But that's why I say it's not even, even if you switch down the manufacturing facility, just look after the clients. Yeah. Make them feel special. 
Help yeah. them understand why, why, what you're going through. Help them understand how else can I help you in the meantime. Just look after those customers because there's loyalty of customers right now. The last thing you can afford is a high churn rate. The money it's cost you to acquire those customers, I'm sure is a lot of money. You can't afford them to churn. 100%. 100%. Before we started the session, we were talking a little bit about um, a phrase that uh, you say you, don't, you didn't uh, coin or patent, but it's one that you've used before. Tell us a little bit, a little bit about eating the frog. Yeah, you know, it's something that's, it's, people think I'm crazy when I talk about this, but uh, it's something I learned from one of my mentors. I, I was very privileged during my Accenture years that I spent a lot of time overseas. I worked in London, I worked in, you know, Silicon Valley, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I had a mentor there who was just unbelievable. You know, it's one of those guys that uh, who open his mouth and you just stop and you listen and you, and you say it and you write it down because you never want to forget what they've said. And one of the, I learned many things, I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest with you, and I had many mentors, but one of the best things I ever learned was think this, this concept about eating the frog. And, and what eating the frog is, typically what most human beings do is when you have a to-do list and most of us who are very disciplined and self-disciplined and motivated, the night before we go to, before we go to bed, we write down our to-do list for the next day. And the first thing we do is we start going through that to-do list. But most of us just, unfortunately, what we do is we take the easy task first and we take the hardest task later. So they might be, they might be urgent tasks, but they're not important tasks. So those are the ones we start with, but it's just not important. We don't have to do them, even if we don't do them for the whole day. And this person taught me the reverse. He said, take the hardest task you possibly got. The, and the way he described it was, imagine it's the ugliest frog that you can possibly eat. And the hardest yeah. task is the ugliest frog. The second hardest task is the second ugliest frog. And that's how I'm, uh, 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 my, my day now is prioritized. It's based on the, the, the first three, four things I do before I go through 100, 200 emails is I eat those three or four frogs. And I'll tell you something, if I spend three hours on that first frog before I finish it, that's what I do. But when it's done, it's done. It's off my table, it's done. And it's, it's, like, it's like this heavy, this burden off your shoulders when you can get rid of this frog every single day. But as I said, when I speak to most people that I try and help with, uh, you know, about self-improvement, those are the things they just, they just leave them. And three months later, you say, where is this thing? I, I never did it. Because it wasn't urgent, but it's so, so, so important. And it's so important as Jim, I think it was Jim Collins or, um, or The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. I can't remember who wrote that book, um, whoever wrote that book. But they're talking about, you know, the difference between urgent things and important things. And what we need to do is the most urgent and important things. Because often we just do the urgent things, but they're not important. Answering the phone is urgent. You know, doing this is urgent, but it's not important. So we have to focus more on the important stuff than the urgent stuff as business people, and particularly as entrepreneurs, because I'll tell you, if we don't do that, you're just not gonna, you, we're not gonna move the dial. You, you're gonna play into your competitor's hands. Yeah, the good old Eisenhower matrix that you're, that you're referring to here right now, yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's, it, it's interesting, it's that mental toughness. So what you're saying is basically take the cold shower in the morning, that's also the, the ugly frog in the morning. Eh? How many people are actually doing it? <laughs> And then, you know, I'll tell you one other thing. I mean, then there's uh, doing, do, uh, you know, I mean, I'm a person who can't train in the evening. So I'm a, I'm a fit guy. Uh, I'm, I'm actually a boxer. So every single morning I will get up and train for an hour boxing and, and, and other forms of, of martial arts and something like that. It's not pleasant. It's cold in the morning at, 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 at zero degrees right now in Johannesburg. But I do it, come on, every single morning. If I miss once a month, that's a lot. And that's the that biggest frog of mine is just making sure I keep my, my mental fitness before my physical fitness before I worry about my mental fitness. But that's again, it's just that self motivation that entrepreneurs need 
Because if you don't have a healthy, a, a healthy mind, you're not, a healthy body, you're not going to have, have a healthy mind. It's essential that you do your yoga, you do your, whatever you do, it doesn't matter what you do. I just do boxing because that's what I've loved and I've done it for 30 years of my life. But whatever you do, as long as you discipline in it and get yourself out of bed and go and do it. Don't say, okay, COVID's a good chance, we can't get outside so we can't do it. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. You, you make a plan. You buy a, you know, you buy a treadmill or you walk around, the, you walk around your stoop. I heard a guy was training for some marathon. He ran a marathon in New York on his patio, upstairs in a New York, in New York loft. Now, that's the motivation. That I can invest in that type of guy because that's the, that's the type of culture and attitude that I like in the people that I invest in. Yeah, uh, 100%. So now we've talked a lot about pivots and what type of mindset we need to have. But we haven't really talked about what is a pivot. So once we've decided that we want to do a pivot, what is a pivot? Like, what does, what does it take to make it successful? Um, have you seen any successful pivots in the past, Clive? And, and what were sort of the, uh, the steps that uh, those entrepreneurs were taking? I was, say, I was just going to frame that uh, question slightly differently. Um, is there a structure uh, for pivoting? So I think that it's horses for courses here. I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all approach. I must be perfectly honest with you. It so much depends on what, what assets you, have you got, what knowledge, what skills have you got. Because it's not just what assets you've got. It's actually what knowledge and skills that you've got. Because you might have an asset, but your knowledge and skills are actually different. So you can pivot just with your knowledge and skills. But I think the first thing is the ideation stage. You have to go back to first principles and say, okay, let's ideate. What, let's take what new problems have been created Let's take our own industry. Our industry is hospitality. Okay, but they're not operating. So let's forget hospitality. Let's look at a vertical industry and say, okay, that industry is schools or that industry is universities or that industry is um, places of worship. And so, okay, now what problems has this COVID virus created for this industry? And suddenly you start brainstorming and ideating and you suddenly come up with 10, 15 problems. And we say, wow, we, we can actually, with a week's worth of tech work, we can actually solve that problem. Now you can understand I'm a tech guy. So everything I relate to is about uh, is about uh, uh, about technology and software so it's really about taking it doing going through that ideation and then i think the process is the same as being a startup you go and speak to those clients you don't just build the tech and say they got a problem you go and speak to those clients and say look yeah i think i could build you the solution that would solve this problem and say wow that's unbelievable you speak to 10 clients 10 clients say to you they'll pay you this amount of money for that you know you're onto something mm. and what i wouldn't do is just pivot without going to speak to clients again you know, too many companies, as, uh, as Steve Blank says, is another one of my mentors, but he also says, most companies die from product development, not, sorry, they die from customer development and market development, but not from product development. So don't go and develop this new product and then go and look at the market and, find, and try and find a problem that it solves. Rather go and speak to those customers, do customer development, find out what their new problems are, come back and say, wow, in one week, we could actually have a solution for this, this problem. So I think go back to first principles, like you're starting out a new business. And most importantly, go and speak to your potential customers and make sure they've got their problem. Because else you get a pivot, in your head you're pivoting, but actually go to the client and say, but that's not a problem. You haven't solved my problem. So then you've wasted even more time and more cash that you actually don't have. Mm. Do you have uh, any final advice for uh, entrepreneurs, um, maybe also for entrepreneurs that are looking to, to raise money right now and maybe want to approach you, um, except watch, watch out for the liquidity, um, uh, liquidation preferences uh, that I always recommend <laughs> to watch out for. 
<laughs> well, the, f the first thing I'll tell an entrepreneur is you, 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 there's no doubt most venture capitalists are going to ask for a liquidation preference. So, but, but, but besides that, so I call it, let me tell you how we make an investment. It'll help you entrepreneurs. Yeah. So again, it's, uh, I use the five T's. So number one, we invest in teams. We don't invest in individuals. It, it, it's too hard for an individual to build a business, in all honesty. So we like it where there's already a, at least two co-founders. Let's talk tech now for a second. Someone that can build the tech and someone that can sell the tech. So we need the, the hustlers and we need the guys that can build it. Because that combination, you can have the best engineers in the world who build the best tech in the world, but they have no clue actually how to go and sell their tech. And typically what engineers do is they just build and build and build and build. And you say, why haven't you taken this to the market? No, 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 it's not ready yet. So they, they let perfect get in the way of possible. And they just don't release it because it's never good enough. And, and unfortunately, no disrespect to engineers, I, I have a, a lot of time for engineers, but they are perfectionists and they want to get the perfect product. So number one, we invest in, team, in, in people. It's, it's always about the team. It's never about the, uh, the, about the, about the individual. Number two, we invest in a very disruptive technology. So we want a technology that's disrupting an industry, start out with a niche market, but we know that the market can grow to multiple, multiple, multiple markets. But we do want to start, South Africa, is a, is, as an example, is a great place to prove, to prove your concept in South Africa. It's, it's a nice, it's got first world, it's got third world. We've got a combination of everything in this country to prove that your, that your technology works. So pick a niche and go and dominate that niche. Number three, a large target addressable market. Because if it's not large, you might get 50% of a $10 million industry. I'm not interested. I want, you know, 1% of a, or 2% of a, of a, of a, a trillion dollar industry. That's where it's going to build a big company and, and globally. So Africa, Africa, and globally as well. The next one is traction. So if you want to raise money from a venture capitalist, you need traction. Bootstrap your business if you can't raise it from, you know, the money from Phil's family and friends and whatever. But go and raise capital if you need to. If you can't, bootstrap your business. Go and get customer funding. You know, people don't think that there's a way you can get customers to fund your idea. You can. It comes back to that communication ability. You can sell your idea to a customer and say, this is a problem I'm going to solve. And they say, I love that. Then you say to them, look, I can't afford to build it right now. Can you put 50% down and help me fund this business? Now, the beauty about customer funding, it's non-dilutive. It takes no equity away. The customer pays you. They believe in you. They trust you. It's like equity. It's like product uh, crowdfunding. It's exactly the same thing. And the customers pay you up front. And then you can go and, develop, go and develop the solution. So that's the other one is traction. So now that everybody says, I have to have capital. And I say, you don't have to have capital. You don't have to have capital. I call it other people's brains, OPB. Use other people's brains, other people's equipment, other people's resources, other people's assets. Just go and find other people's, they've got them. You need some place. Go and find a place you can negotiate and haggle. You're going to wash their car and they'll give you accommodation for six months. Find a way, but bootstrap your business but get traction, get four, five, ten logos. Come to me with five, ten logos, Standard Bank and FNB and Bitvest and this and that. We're talking. I'm halfway writing you out a check. You know, rather than coming to me with, with nothing and saying, I'm nearly going to close this one. I'm nearly going to close that one. I'm nearly going to close. I'm not interested in nearly closing. I'm interested in a signed contract and generating revenue. So traction is critical. And the last one comes back to a liquidation preference is it must be fair terms. I don't want to screw an entrepreneur, but at the same time, I want to be, I've also got investors, I've got to look at my investors' interests as well. So I want to be, to be, to be fair for the entrepreneur and fair for my investors. So I like fair terms. It must be reasonable terms. I'm not going to pay a, a, a ridiculous valuation because often I see entrepreneurs come to me with a, a brand new idea and they're looking for a $10 million valuation. And I, and I, I just, I'm trying, help me understand how you came up with this number. 
No, I was in Silicon Valley last week and they told me it's worth 10 million, it's worth, you know, $10 million. And then you ask, I can get them, well then go back to Silicon Valley and go and raise the capital there. Because you're not, South Africa doesn't have that depth of capital. You know, if, if you want to raise capital in this country, in South Africa particularly, you're looking C, Series C, pre-Series A, maybe Series A. You got to be in C and there's hardly any, maybe one company, Naspers, has got that capital that can deploy into your, in, into your, into your uh, startup. So you need to go to Africa or you need to go and raise European capital, Asian capital or American capital. South Africa just does not have that sort of $10 million checks that we can write out in a Series B and a Series C. So that's my advice to, to any entrepreneur. Bootstrap your business, get, get some revenue traction, and then you'll, for one, you'll give away a lot less of your business. You'll have a lot more for yourself, and you'll have, you'll have investors lighting up and knocking on your door opposed to the other way around. Go as the king, don't go as the beggar. Also, you can raise capital from your suppliers, basically, or you can yes, yes, generate yes. liquidity from your suppliers. Great. On that note, uh, Clive, thank you so much for your time. The five C's, the five T's, eating the frogs. I think there's a lot that we have to uh, chew on and uh, consolidate and, uh, uh, you know, looking forward to the next time that we speak. I look forward to it. Thanks very much for, for your time again and have, uh, have a great day. Thank you, Clive, for, for creating so much value in that uh, ecosystem where a lot of entrepreneurs are, are struggling. Uh, I think everyone really appreciates it. Thank you. Thank you.